Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 434. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Ah, it's going? It's going pretty well. Can't complain. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the indie time loop movie Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, which is available now on VOD platforms. Also be going over some watching on the watch list, including our new segment, Bud... Well, I don't I don't know have a name for it, but Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill weekly. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. You you originally said that. I was like, "Wait, we have a news." <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not Bud prepared. and Terrence weekly. It? Oh yeah, that's right. I'll also be going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray, although there are no theatrical releases. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. Uh quick bit of housekeeping the new save by the 90s should be dropping at some point this week however we're gonna be not recording we're gonna take the week off next week on the weekly show because we're in the middle of or we're gonna be in the middle of slam dance so that'll give us time to watch more of those and then the following week we're gonna just gonna do a, a slam dance 2022 extravaganza oh yeah it's gonna be spectacular yeah so stay stay tuned for that so what i might do is because there won't be a podcast next week i might drop the save by the 90s on monday but at any rate just keep an eye on our social media and i'll i'll be announcing when it's going to be coming out uh with that i think we can jump into our review we're talking about beyond the infinite two minutes this is uh, directed by Junta Yamaguchi. I have a synopsis here. A cafe owner discovers that the TV in his cafe suddenly shows images from the future, but only two minutes into the future. Now, I saw this at a film festival. I can't even remember which one, but uh, I think I believe that I have a written review for this up on the site right now. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes? Well, I know that I was pretty excited for this because I remember you talking about it when it played whatever festival that it played at. But I do know that it played a bunch of festivals. Yeah, it played multiple. So it kept, yeah, so it kept coming up. And every time that it would come up, I'm like, man, I, just, I can't wait to watch this thing. So that time has finally come to fruition and it, I made it happen. I got to see it. And I, there was a little bit of... Uh, trepidation on my part because it it feels like this is largely wrapped around a a gimmick that i don't know if that gimmick could be sustained for it's only 70 minutes long yeah it's still it's a short one it's a brisk one but it's still something of a gimmick where you're like ah can it can it handle 70 minutes and i was initially very worried the beginning of this film uh when he realizes his uh, his time TV is into the future two minutes. Uh, it's pretty repetitive at the very, very beginning. And I was very scared because I was like, oh, wow, if this is only two minutes and right. this is pretty repetitive, uh, I don't know if I can do 70 minutes of this. Because another thing that I forgot about is I forgot that this also had the gimmick of being a single take. Uh, yeah, air quotes, single take. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was just like, oh boy, we are heavy on gimmick. I'm not quite sure how this is going to play out. 
But I got to say, they, they, they handled it pretty well, especially when they, they, they break outside of the two minutes, mm-hmm. the, the way in which they do this. Uh, I thought it was pretty great. And for me, the, the comedy really helped out a lot. And I just love the way that everyone, especially when it's two friends show up mm. and get involved. Mm-hmm. And it just, it gets, it gets pretty damn funny. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I had some initial concerns too after, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes into this where I was like, oh boy, like, how, where can they take it? Where can they take yeah. it? It's a two minute time loop. Like that in and of itself is initially interesting to, to see like, oh, okay, well we can only see forward two minutes. So what are we going to do with that? Like, it's not like we have a lot of time to play with, but where they go with it and what they do, I think is interesting. And I was also concerned that it was all going to be in just that one location, which for the most part it is, but they do, like you said, break away from that. And eventually they do, they break away from what you suspect that it might be. So they do get out of the, the cafe that it takes place in, in the, the little apartment above the cafe. I mean, I know I can't say that I was uh, overall thrilled with some of the choices that they made, especially towards the end when they break out. Uh, and the, the the spot of trouble that they get themselves into just felt kind of uh, uninspired. Well, the thing about in a way. the thing about this is that there is this sort of conflict that's introduced that doesn't feel very developed, and the it it also feels it's it's like it it almost feels forced. And the thing the thing about this like this conflict that occurs is that it's just not that compelling i don't think yeah and cuz you, you realize that at a certain point they they have to raise the stakes yes exactly right which i guess is fine but it just again it just felt like an uninspired choice the way in which they raise the stakes it doesn't really make sense it's not really compelling in any way and it just i thought that that was the the weakest part of this whole movie but yeah. outside of that i enjoyed everything else yeah I'll, I'll agree with you on that um i i thought that this was a very clever little movie i i think that you know we've seen a million time loop or time travel movies at this point and i think that this does enough to the formula to to make it feel if not fresh, certainly entertaining. And I, I really enjoyed where it went. And I was very, I was very engaged the whole time just to see what they were going to do with this because, because of the limitations, because it's a, a one take film. And obviously there are masked uh, cuts in there, but it's for the most part, single take. And feels very indie, you know, feels like a very mm. contained, subdued, like low budget movie. So I was very curious to see like where they were going to go with this, this concept. And I, I like that the, so what it doesn't really say in the synopsis is that it's really like two TVs that are connected, like two monitors. So what you see on the one TV is the few there's two minutes into the future of what 
is captured on the other TV. And yeah. one TV is upstairs, one TV is downstairs. And like how he dis- just how he randomly discovers it and then where they go with it, I think that's I think it's really fun and I think I agree with you that the comedy aspect of it did aid a lot in it, but I also like the just the technical aspect of it. Like I I imagine that it would be kind of hard to get the timing right for everything that they did as far as like getting the the footage to like timed perfectly to when people are come like entering the room yes. and stuff like that. Like it's and especially when they make it a little more complicated and it's kind of like the jump rope mm-hmm. where they like trying to time when they have to jump in. Yep. Because it does get significantly more complex. It's not just like, Oh, well, you know, you, you have uh, this, this, you do something on one and then two minutes later it shows up on the other one. Like it's not, it's, it's more, than that so you have this at the beginning you have this like back and forth where everybody's like running upstairs doing something then running downstairs and seeing seeing how it plays out but then they get and this isn't a I don't think this is a spoiler because I think you see it in the trailer they decide to take the monitor from upstairs downstairs and start experimenting it with it that way which by the way (laughs) can we discuss the obscenely long power cable <laughs> on that monitor it is that it's out of control <laughs> it goes all, it goes all the way downstairs anyway uh that bit of nonsense aside uh once the they have both TVs or monitors in the same room that's when that's when things start to really get interesting and i just really like the overall I mean, outside of the the comedy aspect of it, I love how quickly for the cafe owner, like this kind of gets hijacked for him. Yeah. And he just like, he loathes it. Like he just, you can tell he just wants to go to bed. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. want to do this anymore. <laughs> more and more people which is, involved. Yeah. Which is completely understandable. I can really relate to that where it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then everyone else finds out. And of course they want to do things to, you know, but the the idea that he kind of gets trapped where the future kind of dictates what they have to do because they they come to this conclusion as a group that like we can't we can't contradict the future because God knows what what'll happen. So I just love how that kind of played out for him, and it just really turned out from being a this kind of. Uh, you know, so the semi-interesting thing is the kind of weird, quirky thing that's happening to him that turns into, like, quickly becomes a nightmare for him, and he just wants it to stop. Yeah, I mean, it's this thing over the course of, like, 30 minutes that he's that he starts playing around with this thing, it, like, ruins his life, basically. Like, there's this 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 woman that he really likes, and he wants to ask her out, and then that, that kind of plays a role later on, and, and how how that how the, the time loop is, has affected this potential romance that he has. And it's just, yeah, I like, I like everything about this and where it goes. I think it's, it's uh it's really fun. 
And yeah, and I, I think that the, that's a big thing too is the the characters themselves. I like I like these guys, everyone that's involved here, especially the guy that gets super excited for his zebra pill bug. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but that guy just <laughs> Zawa had me going. I mean, this dude is fucking jazzed. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. If I got the zebra pill bug, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably be jazzed too. It's apparently a and very I gotta rare, say that I, a very rare. Yeah. Item. And as soon as that he, it was brought up, and just his excitement for it, I was like, there was a part of me that was interested. I just immediately invested, where I was like, I can't wait until this guy comes back with the zebra pill bug because <laughs> I have to see what it is. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. It was much bigger than I was expecting. Yeah. uh... Japanese capsule toys, man. They're 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 not like the uh, the shitty little grocery store things that we have. Yeah, they're like they're pretty legit over there. I could I could easily see myself getting you know diving headfirst into that. Oh yeah, and and there's like entire there there's entire uh, like buildings that are just filled with them, like multiple floors of gachapon machines. I I bought a whole bunch of them when I was in japan and and if i go back i'll i'll buy a ton more because they're so cool like no matter what and first and you can get i know we're going way off the rails but there's like so many different ones that are like so random like i have a gachapon uh toy a capsule toy of a gachapon machine like and and it actually works like you can actually turn the little handle and little miniature capsules come out of it incredible (laughs) yeah it's just like it's crazy the ones that you can get i love it but anyway this is uh i I can easily recommend this movie it's just a lot of fun i mean don't don't go into it thinking that it's gonna be some kind of uh like like crazy effects laden time travel thriller anything like that it's a very uh stripped down just light sci-fi comedy and yeah. it's just, it's a it's a nice time yeah. i just had a very nice time and i think a lot of that is is due to the the really brisk runtime it's it's a movie that knows exactly how how long to stay without wearing out its welcome. I think that uh, Yamaguchi knew like, this is not the type of story that you want to linger too long. You want to just get in, have a nice time and leave. You know, it's like, it's like going to the the cafe for coffee. You don't want to stay there all day. God, no. So yeah, I I definitely recommend it. Uh, I do have a written review for this up on the site. As I mentioned, I gave it a seven and a half out of 10 Sticking by that, that score. I'm happy with that score. Kevin, what are you going to give Beyond the Infinite two minutes? What was your score? Seven, you and a, seven and a half. I think that's probably where I would I would land. Yeah. It's I'm great. right there with you. It's great. Good stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think it's right up there as far as like inventiveness. Like, you know, there's a there's there's a number of these sort of lo-fi time travel movies like primer time crimes. And I, w- I would put it right up there alongside those, maybe not as high concept as those, but still very, uh, very fun. Nonetheless. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I believe it is my turn this week. Uh, I had a very light week, but I did see Duel last night, so I wanted to mention that. This is uh, it's playing at Sundance. I believe that there is a. I could be wrong, but so the premiere was last night, and I think that there's a second screening at some point, like maybe I don't know if it's today or tomorrow, but there is a second screening. So as long as it's not sold out, you can um, you can check this out if you'd like. This is the new one from Riley Stearns. We had talked about it on our most anticipated list. And uh, I got to say, I was not let down with this one. If you are a fan of Riley Stern's other movies, if you liked Faults or uh, The Art of Self-Defense, then I think that you will find yourself in very familiar territory with this movie. It definitely shares the same DNA as his his other two features. I think that, that Riley Stern's is a director who has a very distinct style and he likes to move... He, he likes to have all of his movies um, include that style. He's he's a very, uh, I think, um, distinct director. You you know his stuff, I think. Uh, but this is it stars Karen Gillan as a woman who d- discovers that she has a terminal illness. She's going to die very soon, and this takes place in a alternate present where cloning exists and is sort of a common thing that people do. And she decides that she doesn't want to tell her mom that she's dying. She's going to clone herself. And then that way, when she dies, her mom doesn't get upset or even, you know, know that she died. So problem is, uh, she, she, she goes through the cloning procedure, but she then, months several months later discovers that she is actually not dying she went into like full remission she's not sick anymore she's perfectly healthy and in this world the law states that you can't have an original and a copy so the copy has to be decommissioned however if the copy is has been around for long enough they can request that they be uh, left alive. And if that's the case, it, they have to duel, they have to have a duel to the death. So uh, Karen Gillan, the, the original decides that, well, she's, she's like, okay, well I got to kill her. So she goes to this, like he almost feels like a, like a, like a strip mall, karate instructor or something but he, he's played by Aaron Paul and they train to uh, she, she trains to kill her clone and that's 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 the general uh, uh, plot of the movie and it's uh, it's quite good I didn't enjoy it quite as much as faults or the art of self-defense um, especially how it played out towards in the final act but uh, I did enjoy it nonetheless. It was very funny. It's it's the same kind of very, very dry, dark humor that Riley Stearns has employed in the past. And the dialogue is also the same. And I, I can understand why some people may have some issues with his characters and his dialogue. Because he, he utilizes this like really stilted uh, way of having his actors deliver their lines. 
that I think is jarring for some people because it doesn't seem natural. Like a lot of the conversations don't feel very natural. It's like yeah. everybody has, everybody speaks in a completely unfiltered way as if everyone in his movies is like on the spectrum. And, uh, I, I like it. I, I find it to be refreshing, but I can also understand why some people would have issues with it. Gotcha. At any rate, I would recommend Duel. I am looking forward to this. Speaking of which, there was a movie that I was looking forward to that we found out is available and has been available for free on Vimeo. And that's The Immortal Jellyfish, which was <laughs> yeah. one of my most anticipated movies for, I don't know, like three years running, something like that. Uh, I, I, so I, I looked this up. It, it was it's only been available for a couple months, so it is okay. relatively new to the platform. Incredible. Either way, found it. Dusty Bias apparently threw it threw it up on Vimeo for free. You can watch it for free. So this is from 2020. Has Whitmer Thomas and Robert Longstreet. They're the two main characters. Whitmer Thomas being the the main main. And then uh, Rosalind Coleman plays a, a, a huge role here, uh, mostly just her voice. And what this comes down to uh, is Whitmer Thomas plays Denny. He's this like off the grid type guy. Uh, he sells paintings of immortal jellyfish that he paints on whatever he can find. Maybe it's a door, maybe it's a piece of wood, whatever it is. He paints the jellyfish, tries to sell them on the side of the road. He has himself a fire piss problem. Really hurts to urinate. Just it gives you blood and it burns like hell. That's his issue right now. Plus, he doesn't have any money. Uh, but he does own a small piece of waterfront property that his late brother left to him. And that's where Robert Longstreet comes in. He's a developer type. He wants that land. He needs it. He keeps making offers. Of course, Danny doesn't want to take it. So that's the, the issue. So what ends up happening is this guy washes up on his property at night. He's been shot multiple times. Denny's going to try and help him for some reason. Uh, Rosalind Coleman comes into play because she's a tele-nurse. He initially calls her for his fire piss problem. In the middle of that, the, the, this guy shows up with the the gunshot wounds. So as much as I was kind of half expecting this movie to be kind of wild and a bit crazy, uh, it's actually super subdued in that a large majority of this is just Whitmer Thomas on the phone with the tele-nurse, and she's trying to walk him through, essentially trying to remove the bullets from this man that's been shot in the back like six or seven times. And, uh, it does not go well, as you can imagine. Mm. And it's just them, like, the two of them getting really sucked into trying to figure out what happened. So it, it's kind of like the idea of, you know, people being obsessed with murder mystery podcast type things. So it's them two trying to piece together everything that they know about this guy and what he showed up and what he has on him. And they're trying to piece together what happened. And... You know, towards the end, you find out what did happen, and they kind of create this like friendship over the phone of them together working this investigation. So it's a little bit uh, too long in my estimation. It's just 
it just drags on a bit too much. And especially because a lot of it, again, as I said, is just Whitmer Thomas on the phone. Like, that's a large portion of it. And for the most part, it works, but it's just, it just drags on a bit too much for me. All right. I'll have to try to check this out at some point. Um, It's not super high on my list, but that's the Immortal Jellyfish on Vimeo right now for free. Uh, I saw Deep Cover on your recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Bill Duke. I pretty much mirror everything that you said the other week about this movie. I enjoyed it tremendously. As you know, I love 90s movies, especially... These, this type of 90s movie. I love like 90s crime thrillers. Just any kind of 90s thriller, really. It, I want to know if you if you sense this, but there's a, a particular thing that I see with 90s movies like this, and it to me it's 90s lighting. Oh, yeah. But you have that, like every everything in the 90s, as far as lighting, felt really... Uh, dark and gritty and then just like really dramatic lighting and I, I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. the 90s what do you lighting. Think of the, what do you think of the some of the transitions? They were I great. Particularly in, the, I think it's what is it uh, a fish burn when he's like walking with the duffel bag and they oh, use yeah. that as like the sweat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good shit right there. People don't do that anymore. No nah. one's got balls. Nah. Now this is this is a really this is a really awesome uh you know you have Lawrence Fishburne and, and Jeff Goldblum in here and I feel like they're on just on top of their game in this in this movie mm-hmm. like they're both nice. just crushing it and it's yeah I, I can't believe that I've never seen this movie it took me this long to to see it the the score is great I love the soundtrack I love the like kind of 90s black exploitation feel to it yeah, I'm just surprised that this isn't bigger. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this is, it, it it feels like a classic. It's a classic. It's very yeah. It's very strange, but it's it's great nonetheless, and I uh, highly recommend it. As uh, as we talked about last week, it, it's on HBO Max right now. But I don't I don't know when you said it was leaving the end of this month. End of this month. Yeah, until the end of January. Yeah, so definitely check it out. Get it. Get it. God damn it. Uh, you want to you talk some Double Trouble? Yeah, because that's the only other yeah. thing that I have. Oh, okay. Well, one, say, I, I, one other movie that I watched before we discussed Double Trouble is Silent Night from 2021. This is uh, Camille Griffin. This is a, it's like a Christmas black comedy. Uh, it's a Christmas Day celebration full of tension. Because the caveat to this is everyone's getting together for Christmas, but at the end of it, you got to take your poison pill. You got yourself a little a pill that'll, that's going to kill you because there's a huge poisonous cloud that is going to envelop England because of, uh, you know, this is one of those climate change metaphor type deals. So we're going to have ourselves a Christmas celebration. And then we're going to take our pills, and we're all going to die. This is like Kira Knightley, Matthew Good, host of other people in there, uh, and so you have was kind of like a, a 
you know, a Christmas movie with friends. You know, they got tension, secrets, stuff that came up in the past, that kind of thing. You have all that going on, and it's mostly just the adults trying to be, like, as comfortable as possible, having a good time, you know, just, like, not really thinking about it, just partying. And then, you know, we'll take our pills. But the kids themselves, they're they're a little more complicated. They're a little pissed off about how things are, are playing out. And maybe they don't want to take their pills. Maybe they want to try and see if they can make it through the poison poison cloud. Uh, this is, it was okay. Uh, it's kind of like straight down the middle for me. The, some of the black comedy did, did work. Because I guess like the black comedy aspect of it is because they're going to all die, the kids are allowed to do whatever. They can swear now. They can do whatever. They can just... So much of that comedy is just little kids swearing and being rude to each other, which is always pretty funny to me. Kids swearing is just great. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of that. And I think for the most part, it works as a, as a satire metaphor type deal for, for climate change. Uh, but again, a lot of it just is weird. And the fact that like these people, like they're not family. They just like went to school together. So it seems odd that you would spend Christmas with each other, right. you know, your last day on earth. And they don't really seem to like each other, which is weird. It's just, I don't know. Just the dynamic of the group didn't 100% work for me. Mm. I, I I didn't know too much about this movie, but I always found it... I was always confused about what this movie actually was because when you see the poster, it looks like it's almost uh, like a horror movie. And then well, you see like the little background thing on Letterboxd and it looks like a comedy. And, and I thought it was going to be some sort of like black comedy, like, uh, like maybe like a slasher type, or you know, because it's, it's it tells you in the synopsis that yeah. they're all going to die. But I thought they were going to die like one by one, you know, some, it's, you know, something's going on there. But it turns out that it's just kind of the apocalypse. Hmm. All right. I don't know. I might still give this a look at some point. It's okay. All right, let's talk about some double trouble. So we're gonna we're gonna try to continue covering some uh, Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill movies throughout this year. We're we're gonna we're gonna take a deep dive into the. We're just gonna we're gonna see how long we can keep this going. I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I, we don't we don't have any kind of strict requirements or anything we're just we're yeah. just going with the flow we're like we're like bud and terrence you know yeah. just just going with Whatever the flow happens, happens. so double trouble is is it's directed by enzo barboni and it it plays out similarly to um watch out we're mad or watch out we're angry was it watch out we're angry watch or out we're mad. watch mad. out we're mad yeah Plays out similarly. You get you got these 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 two guys who now in this one they didn't really know each other beforehand. So in in Watch Out We're Mad, it they were both race car drivers. In this one, Bud Spencer plays a saxophone player, which uh, is you know in, that's pretty incredible. And Terrence Hill's like a, a a pilot. He's like a stunt pilot flying these little prop planes or whatever the hell they're 
they are like little glider plane things. And the premise of this movie is that these two guys are actually the doppelgangers of these two billionaires who are trying to like do this deal that ended up having them like, there's like a target on their back. Like there's, there's assassins that are going to try to kill them. And they offer Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer's Bud Spencer, like, was it like a million dollars? A million each. A million each. for nothing. Yeah. Like you can say no and you still get the fifth that, which seems terrible business. Yeah. You know, why the fuck you would do that? So they, get, they offer him a million dollars each to just pretend to be these guys until this deal goes through. And uh, so, so you have this kind of, it's, it's like a partially an action comedy, but you also have this kind of fish out of water type thing where, you know, it's these two kind of, these, these two guys that, that are not very, you know, they're not from the, that, that scene. They're They're not, they're not from that, that aristocratic type. Yeah. These guys are, they're rabble rousers. Yeah. They're going, they're going to the, the, the skeezy clubs and like scrapping it up, having fun, you know, not, they're not, they're not into this like hoity toity life. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's just kind of how it plays out. Oh, also they, they get offered a bonus if they could take down the hitmen that are going yeah, after a lot of them. incentives, throwing a lot of money around, got a lot of incentives here for Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. And they just jump straight into it. They yeah. are, yeah. They want that bonus because it seems like right off the bat they're like, you know what, we're not going to do anything else. We're just going to try and get these guys. And uh, it's just a ton of slapping. Actually, I shouldn't say a ton. There's actually it's kind of light on slapping in terms of the the percentage of the runtime, which I think is kind of rough for me. I didn't like this as much as Watch Out, We're Mad. I, agree. I didn't. I, no, I didn't either. But. Yeah, the comedy's not as as good. I didn't it's like it either, but I, I still liked it. I just didn't like it as much as Watch Out, We're Mad. I do like, because I can't remember if Watch Out, We're Mad was like this, but the sound effects when Bud Spencer would box someone's ears. Oh, yeah. I think it was the same. It's like a thunderclap from God. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane. Yeah, and he's just like I just uh, hooting and hollering when he when he box someone's ears, or he does the bonk on the top of the head. Yeah, I like that. Whack Oh my goodness! Those are the those are the, yeah, definitely the two best best moves. The two best moves in their repertoire, and you know you got Terrence Hill doing more of his. Uh, he kind of does more of the acrobatic. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, swinging around, he's jumping over stuff. But I gotta say too that not only did I find the comedy to not be uh, up to par with the, the aforementioned movie that we talked about last week, but uh, the fight sequences themselves just weren't up to par. And I think it's one because they didn't seem that elaborately choreographed mm-hmm. like, like the, like the other movie. And like, it seemed like it was kind of missing that comedic element to it. Like it tried here to do some stuff, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the like the set pieces in this were just weren't yeah, weren't, just, they weren't as clever they weren't as fun no it's just like the one like the big you know ending climactic 
set pieces at the stables of this farm and it just it just didn't do it for me it's not you know the ending of them driving a car through a, a restaurant and balloons everywhere you know <laughs> yeah like, yeah well i think unfortunately i think that we we started with the best one like i think yeah, i think we might have I, I think that it would have worked out better if we were able to work our way up. But I think that we started at the peak. But I, I don't know. Time will tell. And I think also with this, I mean, we've only seen two. Or I've only seen two. I've only seen two. Yeah, I haven't watched any other ones. So I could be wrong. But it also feels like with this being from 1984, you can tell these guys are clearly older. Yeah, this is like, t- what, 10 years after... Yeah. The other one. And you can see it on their faces. You can see it, you know, and I'm wondering if that's a little bit more tired. Yeah. If, you know, you're playing into it like, okay, we're not going to go. We're going to keep everything kind of subdued. Just just let me slap a guy in the face a couple of times. Maybe throw a basket. That's it. You know, Terrence Hill is just like, ah, you know, I'll jump on a rope or something. But I'm not getting crazy. I'm not doing the, the even bars, you know. Right. All right. Well, maybe maybe for our next one, we'll go back and watch one of their earlier ones. But I mean, they're still just they're fun guys to be around. Yeah, I mean, I still I'm ultimately coming down to. Yeah, to be clear, I had a lot of fun with Double Trouble. I I really enjoyed it. I just didn't think it was on the same level as Watch Out We're Mad. No, but it is the poster for this with thumbs up, which. <laughs> place that and i was really hoping that that would be a thing and it, it kind of is a thing later on in the movie it just thumbs up all around after they slap the shit out of some people oh yeah i don't know what uh what do we want to what do we want to do next what do we want to watch that's a good question next odds and evens a bumbling government agent recruits a trucker whose gambling knowledge can help crack an illegal florida operation <laughs> That's from there's, 78. There's so many, because, I mean, there's Crime Busters. Crime yeah. Busters, yeah. Who finds a friend finds a treasure. <laughs> Which is still I mean, that's, one of the best freaking titles. Yeah, I mean, between that and I'm up for the hippopotamus. It, maybe, Man, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll try to go for who finds a friend finds a treasure. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, but I mean... Odds and Evens looks pretty fucking great, too. I mean, they're on, like... I don't even know what the hell... Are those, like... I don't know what those are. I guess I don't know who drew Bud Spencer on this poster, but... God damn, that does not look like Bud Spencer. No. At all. But he's got, I think, an ice cream cone? Yeah, he's got an ice cream cone. Terrence is just, like, flinging out money and casino chips everywhere. Yep. Just dropping those all over the place. I mean, I guess it's the, they're like, it looks like a tandem jet ski. Yeah, but I've never seen a jet ski look like that. No, it's a weird looking jet ski. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD. No theater releases this week, to my knowledge. No theater releases. Nope, nothing. Nada. Incredible. There might be some small things, but what I do is I sort of, I look at what's hitting theaters around where I am. Because I know that if it's here, it's a wide release. <laughs> so that's kind of my gauge. Sure. Uh, okay. On VOD this week, we got Clean. This is on the 28th, so Friday. Clean is with Adrian Brody. 
I think he like, mm. I think he directed it too. Maybe mm. the guy's name is clean and he's a garbage man. Come on. I mean, I guess it's probably a nickname, but still, uh, we also have La Soga Salvation and we got the, the, the Requin. There's oh, yeah. terror in paradise. Oh, no. When Jalen and Kyle arrive at a remote seaside villa in Vietnam for a romantic getaway, mm-hmm. and there's like a torrential mm-hmm. storm that reduces the villa to just a little raft. Oh, no. And they're stuck out at sea. It stars Alicia Silverstone. That's a Saban Films release. So, you know, probably have an idea yeah. of what that's going to be. Gotcha. That's pretty much all I have on here for VOD. Oh, there is one Netflix release, and that's Home Team, which comes out Friday as well. It's a kids' football movie, <laughs> so not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot to choose from this week. No. Let's see if Blu-ray has uh, any any better options here. Dead Heat is coming out in 4K. I believe that's. Probably a Vinegar Syndrome. Yes, confirmed it is a Vinegar Syndrome one. If you haven't seen that, it's a, it's it's a definitely a, a, a an eighties horror comedy for sure. It's a buddy cop movie with zombies starring Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. So, wow, yeah. What more? What more do you want? <laughs> it's it's definitely something. We got the Lover from nineteen ninety two coming out in four K. Forgotten Jolly, mm-hmm. Volume 4, 1978 to 1989. That's a Vinegar Syndrome. Limited edition, only 6,000 of those. That oh, box dear. set includes Arabella Black Angel, The Killer is Still Among Us, and The Sister of Ursula. Let's see what else we have here. Master of the World, 1983. Looks like the... Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, Curfew from 1989 coming out. That is also Vinegar Syndrome. That has a really awesome cover. We got Don't Go in the House from 1980. Girlfriend from Hell from 1989. Uh, Morvern Caller. These are all Vinegar Syndrome. So I, like, I don't know if they're just doing some kind of crazy dump or if it's not accurate or what. But We got Sleep coming out. That's on Arrow. Uh, Clock Stoppers from 2002. Wow. I remember, I never saw that, but I remember seeing trailers for that way back in the day. Fortress of America from 1989. That is also a vinegar syndrome. Delirium from 1979. The Scary of 61st from uh, last year. That uh, That is also a vinegar syndrome. What the hell? It's, we got to break up this monopoly. I don't know what's going on here. Vinegar syndrome just firing on all cylinders here. How do they have all these resources? What's going on? Here's another vinegar syndrome. Anyone but my husband. It's a double pack. Anyone but my husband and sweet pumpkin. Sweet pumpkin. Not pumpkin. Punkin. Incredible. Uh, Another vinegar syndrome. Killing spree. I will dance on your grave. Wait, is it two movies? I will... No, it's called I it's called I Will Dance on Your Grave, Colon Killing Spree, but then the title just says Killing Spree. Hmm. Alright. I wanna check that out. I I gotta stop. Uh, there I feel like there's something wrong here. I like there's there's no way that all of these are coming out on the same day. 
Because there's like, I don't know, five, at least five more listed here. So yeah, I don't know I, what I don't know what the hell's happening. It just that seems odd that you would, as a company, you would release that much. Uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like it's accurate. Day. I feel like Blu-ray.com is is not because you have Coco D Coco Da Pals, The Midnight Swim. I mean, these are all Vinegar Syndrome from the looks of it. There's a bunch of Arrow things coming out too, like uh, uh, Jesus shows you the way to the highway. Which I think that maybe already came out, so maybe that's some kind of re-release. Uh, the deeper you dig is coming out on a special edition Blu-ray too, and I think that already came out at some point as well. So I don't know. Maybe maybe check a uh, basket case. Is, looks like that's coming out on on Arrow as well. And I know for a fact that all of these are not coming out on Arrow on the same day because I I usually get uh, lists of what they have coming out. So. Blu-ray.com, I feel like, is failing us right now. Just not surprised. Just for fun, I'm I'm going to the Vinegar Syndrome website right now. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see what the hell's going on here. Uh, let's see, all releases. Of course, they don't have like a January 2022 package. Yeah. So it looks like Dead Heat, Curfew. Forgotten Gialli Volume Four, Master of the World, and Fortress of America. So, and then you also have the scary of sixty first. Yeah, looks like it's okay. So maybe maybe all of these are dropping like all at once. It's wild. I kind of want to see the scary of sixty first. I I looks like it might might be uh one that I'm into. What about Criterion's? Oh, we got two. We got Dick Johnson is Dead from 2020. Mm-hmm. And then we also have The Piano from 1993. Mm. Not a so huge fan. Go. Well, you don't have to buy it. I know. Well, I'm not going to. Never seen it. I have no interest in it. I don't, I just, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I saw it ages ago, so it's it's probably not accurate for me to like comment on it at this point because it's been so long. And I was like 15 or something when I saw yeah, it. I was, I was like, I was very, very young and my parents rented it and they were like all into it. And I was just like, period piece. No, don't think so. Yeah. I don't think that that movie's made for yeah. <laughs> 15 year old Adam Patterson. So yeah, I, I, so maybe, maybe I should revisit it and re- reevaluate it. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. You can send us your Questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you later. <laughs>